0: So last week we started a new series entitled The Always God, and explained that a little bit last Sunday, putting, putting forth the truth that just as God moved in the past, He is still moving today, and He is the eternal, the self-existent, the all-powerful, all-knowing God, and refers to Himself as I Am. And we are discovering in this series God has not changed over time. He spoke in the past And He still speaks today. In fact, that's what we covered in last week's message. Today we are looking at the fact that just as God called upon people to pray in the past and promised to hear their prayers, God is continuing to call people to pray because He is still hearing prayers today. Prayer prayer matters. Prayer changes things. And God is always listening, hearing every prayer His kids are offering And that's the subject and title of the message today, Always Hearing. He's a God who is always hearing. Our family often receives uh, uh, invitations, and you probably do too. Maybe in the past few weeks, you probably saw invitations to Christmas parties, New Year's Eve parties, probably joined some of those maybe. Maybe you've received an invitation to a birthday party that is being extended to maybe uh, one of your kids or grandkids. Maybe joined in with that possibly. Maybe it's an invitation to a wedding of a couple, you know, that has chosen to tie the knot. Um, with Becky teaching at North Clackamas Christian School for the last 20 years, we've had the opportunity to share in a number of graduation party invitations <laughs> given to us. And uh, it, it's always a, it's a, it's a treat uh, in the June month, being able to go around and just celebrate those, those young lives. Sometimes we also too have received an invitation in the mail to increase our debt by filling out a credit card application, which for us goes immediately in the trash. (laughs) But, uh, But we all get invitations all the time. And receiving an invitation means you've been thought of. They thought of you to give an invitation. You've been included. And this invitation to pray is one of the greatest invitations in all of Scripture that is given by God to His children. It really is amazing to think that the God of the universe invites us to know Him, to communicate with Him, to grow in our relationship with Him. He's a God of the universe. He's got time for us? Yeah, He does. And He does this by calling us to pray, by inviting us to call upon His name. Just listen to some of these verses about, uh, about that. First Chronicles, give thanks to the Lord, call on His name. In Psalm 18, in my distress I called to the Lord, I cried to my God for help. From His temple He heard my voice, my cry came before Him into His ears. And then Jeremiah 33, call to me and I will answer you and tell you great and unsearchable things you do not know. And Acts 2, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved." What an invitation given to us by God. An invitation to to pray, to call upon His name, and He promises if we call upon Him, He will hear our prayers. He is still hearing. Now sadly, for for the Christian, prayer is one of the most difficult of the Christian disciplines to practice on a regular basis. You you do it when it when it's in need. But sometimes it's a little difficult to continue on in that practice when the need and crisis does not come. This is one of the areas of life we seem to struggle with the most. And sure, we pray over our meals. We give thanks. That's, that's fine. We throw up a prayer for the safety of our children and grandchildren every now and then. We ask the Lord to change our, our spouse and make them see, the, see things the way we see them. We pray when confronted with with an emergency or health crisis, all these things. But the regular practice of prayer, if we are honest, is, is difficult. We ask questions like, what should I pray for? Or how long should I pray? Or what do I need to be praying for? And if God already knows what's going to happen, do my prayers even matter? A lot of theological questions there for that. And then you have the fact that our mind wanders in prayer. You've been sitting there trying to pray, and then all of a sudden these other thoughts come in. Oh, got to do the wash. That's right. Oh, that's right. I got to do... And and all these other thoughts come in as you're trying to sit there and pray. There may be times when you get bored easily in prayer, maybe. I don't know. But it just seems like it would be so much easier to get up and do something about what we are praying for instead of actually praying. Let's take care of it ourselves. We can do this. And that's the problem sometimes, <laughs> when we think we can take care of it, and we can't. But when you combine the natural difficulty it is to pray with the fact that our, our enemy Satan will do anything in his power to keep us from praying, and as wonderful as the invitation is to call upon the name of the Lord, sometimes Because of all the things I just mentioned, that invitation to pray is like the invitation we receive to apply for a new credit card. (laughs) It just kind of goes away. It gets ignored. We don't do anything with it. And what I hope to show today is is the beauty of serving a God who still hears, even though there's the tragedy of Christians not taking God up on His offer to pray. So if you haven't yet, we're going to land in 2 Kings chapter 19 and 20, you can turn there if you want. Scripture will also be behind me here when we get to that point. But 2, Corinthians chapter, 2, Corinthians, 2, kings, 2 kings chapter 19 and 20, and uh, we're going to find two prayers from a man named Hezekiah. He prayed these two prayers in these two different chapters. Hezekiah was the king of Judah at the time, and he was one of the few kings that had a heart bent toward the Lord. Most of the kings in that day were evil and outdoing one another in their sin against God. Well, I can do that. I can do even one better than you. And it seemed like they were trying to compete in that way. But Hezekiah was different. In fact, listen to how he is described in 2 Kings chapter 18. He was 25 years old when he became king. And in 2 Kings chapter 18, starting with verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah, either before him or after him. He held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses. Wow. You'll see why this is so important here in a few moments. But I I don't want you to know, I I, I do actually want you to notice um, the character of Hezekiah. What is his character like in all this? He had integrity. He had integrity. He trusted in the Lord and followed Him wholeheartedly. This doesn't mean he was perfect, but his heart was inclined to the Lord. The first prayer we'll read here is from chapter 19. It has to do with a national crisis that's going on. The king of Assyria decides to come against Jerusalem. And the second prayer found in uh, chapter 20 of 2 Kings, is in regard to a personal health crisis that Hezekiah faces. And I believe we can learn from both of these prayers. And so we're going to read through them, and then we'll learn from them. Behind me on the screen there as well. 2 Kings chapter 19, starting with verse 14. Hezekiah received the letter from the messengers and read it. Then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. Give ear, O Lord, and hear. O- open your eyes, O Lord, and see. Listen to the words Sennacherib has sent to insult the living God. It is true, O Lord, that the Syrian kings have laid waste these nations and their lands. They have thrown their gods into the fire and destroyed them, for they were not gods, but only wood and stone fashioned by men's hands. Now, O Lord, your uh, now, O Lord, our God, deliver us from His hand, so that all kingdoms on earth may know that you alone, O Lord, are God. Then Isaiah, son of Amoz, sent a message to Hezekiah. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says: I have heard your prayer concerning Sennacherib, king of Assyria. And then the second prayer, coming in 2 Kings chapter 20, prayer from Hezekiah, starting with verse uh, verse 1. In those days, Hezekiah became ill and was at the point of death. The prophet Isaiah, son of Amos, went to him and said, This is what the Lord says Put your house in order, because you are going to die. You will not recover. Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord, Remember, O Lord, how I have walked before you faithfully and with wholehearted devotion and have done what is good in your eyes. And Hezekiah wept bitterly. Before Isaiah had left the middle court, the word of the Lord came to him, Go back and tell Hezekiah, the leader of my people, This is what the Lord, the God of your father David, says. I have heard your prayer and seen your tears. I will heal you. On the third day from now, you will go up to the temple of the Lord. And we'll stop there. So in both of these texts, Hezekiah prayed. And in both cases, God responded to his prayer. Now, let's talk about the first one, about what would be called healthy prayer. What is healthy prayer? What does that consist of? What does it look like? And we'll get into specific ingredients of healthy prayer at the end of our time here together, but what is healthy prayer? And we want to save those specifics at the end here because we can't think if we pray a certain way or follow a certain particular order of prayer, then God is going to hear my prayer and is obligated to respond in just the the way I want Him to. So pastor, lay out the formula and I will pray that and then I will get what I want. That's not how it... So, we're going to get to that at the end, but what I want to do is get to something more important here. Prayer is not some magical chant we do to get God's attention and His ear. God is not like a genie and prayer is not like rubbing the side of a lamp. (laughs) So before we get into those certain aspects of prayer or ingredients of healthy prayer, we need to understand and realize prayer in its most basic form is about our relationship with God. And what we learn from Hezekiah, first of all, healthy prayer includes a healthy posture. Healthy prayer includes a healthy posture. Now, not necessarily talking as much about physical posture, um, but you know that's important too, actually. As it relates to physical posture, the Bible offers five ways we can pray. Biblically, it says we can pray sitting, kneeling, standing, lying prostrate, prostrate, and with our face toward the ground, or praying with hands lifted up. So there's a lot of different ways Scripture tells us that we can be praying in a physical posture. Mark Batterson, pastor and author, says, "...physical posture is an important part of prayer." It's like a prayer within a prayer. Posture is to to prayer, as tone is to communication. If words are what you say, then posture is how you say it. Physical postures help posture our hearts and minds. It directs our hearts and minds to God in prayer with our physical posture. This is the kind of posture I'm talking about, though. It's the posture of our hearts. And if a physical posture helps posture your, your, your heart toward humility, then take that type of posture. If it's raising hands in the air, if it's closing your eyes and sitting still, whatever it might be, those things bring you to the Lord. If it's kneeling, standing, brings you to the Lord and brings your heart in a posture before God uh, in, in that prayer time that, ne- that needs to be Uh, in humility and and expectation of what God can do, then do that kind of posture. But when confronted with being assaulted and overthrown by an enemy, and then when confronted with his own mortality, did you notice the response of Hezekiah in both of those situations? In both of those prayers? In one situation, Hezekiah receives hate mail and brings it before God. And in verse uh, 14 of 2 Kings 19, Says, then he went up to the temple of the Lord and spread it out before the Lord. He said, Here's the letter. <laughs> Look, this is what they're doing. This is what's going to happen. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> but he brings it to the Lord. He doesn't hold it and just go, oh no, and worry and fret and get all anxious. Hey, that probably came along with it, but he brought it to the Lord. Look at that. What do you think about that? In the other situation, Hezekiah receives word from God through his prophet Amos that he will not survive an illness. So in verses uh, 2 and 3, in 2 Kings 20, it says, Hezekiah turned his face to the wall and prayed to the Lord. You ever, you ever kind of, I, I want to be alone? <laughs> so That's probably his response physically like, oh, and then, he, and then he prayed to the Lord, but then also too in verse 3. He he wept bitterly. He was crying from the depth of his heart. Both times, Hezekiah's posture was one of humility and one of brokenness. And God is attracted like a magnet to those who are humble and broken. Just listen to Psalm 34. The righteous cry out and the Lord hears them. He delivers them from all their troubles. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. Coming before God in that way, he, 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 just, he enjoys that. He likes that posture. It's a spiritual law. God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. <laughs> in both of these passages, Hezekiah knew his place well. He was the king, but fully realized there was someone greater than him. Verse 15 of 2 Kings uh, chapter 19, And Hezekiah prayed to the Lord, O Lord, God of Israel, enthroned between the cherubim, you alone are God over all the kingdoms of the earth. You have made heaven and earth. So you are God, (laughs) and not me. In this prayer, he's emphasizing the, the sovereign rule and the reign of God. He knows the world does not revolve around him, but instead is controlled by someone greater, the God of the universe. So Hezekiah understands this place, and this is where all healthy prayer begins. It starts by understanding this simple fact. We are not God. (laughs) We're not it. God is God, and He knows what He's doing. And this takes humility. It, It takes an element of brokenness to understand this concept and embrace this concept. And if you want to know some of the key reasons God is maybe not responding to our prayers, let's take a moment and list out a few right now. And the common denominator you'll probably see here is often pride. Pride will lead to a dropped call every single time. (laughs) Which reminds me of a phone call, and I put it on here. A message that came from our son, Jameson. Speaking of dropped calls, and I'll have Steve play that. It'll be hard to understand.
1: Uh, nothing bad has happened at all, except for we're kind of stuck. Went hiking to uh, old Falls, that way down in Silverton, with Graham and Austin. Alpica, Alpica Falls. Alpica, alpica Abiqua. <laughs> And the, uh, the signs said it was used, it was good. The, uh, sign said that they lost. For sundown, or two Hard stuck baseline. Um because so I can call
0: me back when you can. sooner than later. And he's gone. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got that message. It was a number of years back. He was in high school. And he went off with his friends to go hiking in the Silver Creek Falls area. And it's not the park, it's off. Out in the distance. And so phone service wasn't that great. And I get this message, and I'm going, oh. <laughs> And he was good to start with it by saying, everyone's fine, everything's okay. <laughs> but in between, I couldn't understand what's going on. And uh, he needed actually, the car was parked inside the gate of this uh, forest trail, uh, forestry service trail, and it was closed. And he wasn't sure how he's gonna get his car out of there and come help us. And anyway, it got taken care of and he got rescued and everything else was fine. But, but to get a phone call like that, it's like, dude, dude, Missing some good spots here, and this is really stressful. What's going on, Jameson? But a dropped call, spotty service, it gets difficult. But uh, anything, there's nothing more frustrating than a dropped call or, or that spotty service. We quite can't get the full message of what they're saying. This is what pride does to our prayers. It sounds like that. It causes a dropped call. It's it's a dead spot in the road between us and God. (laughs) So one of the things I believe that we, uh, one of the reasons God is maybe not responding to our prayers is unbelief, unbelief. In his pride, Psalm 10, verse 4, in his pride, the wicked does not seek him in all his thoughts. There is no room for God. St. Silouan the Athenite, you know him, right? He said this about, he said, "...Unbelief proceeds from pride. The proud person believes he will know everything with his mind and from science, but the knowledge of God is impossible for him because God is known by the revelation of the Holy Spirit. God reveals Himself to humble souls." So why pray when there is no God? If you believe there's no God, why pray? Unbelief can keep God from responding to prayer. James chapter 1, but when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. When we pray, we must pray in belief, knowing God, hears our prayers. Another reason God may not respond to our prayer, selfishness. Selfishness. See, pride is self-importance and self-focus, which leads to selfishness, which is selfish thinking and selfish acting, the opposite of, of Jesus' command of agape love that He speaks about in John chapter 13. But pride produces selfishness, and all selfishness is a symptom of pride, thinking you are better, more important than others. See, selfishness is like pride saying, I'll do it my way. I'll do it my way. And when we pray, what are we asking for? What we we are asking for is not for God's glory or, or His will to be done, but instead we're asking the Lord for something for the wrong reasons, for the wrong motives. As Scripture tells us, when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives, that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. We're not praying as Jesus did, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We're not praying, not my will, but yours be done. Sometimes our prayers are not responded to because self is at the core of the prayer. Another reason God may not respond to our prayer is disobedience. This is pride saying, I know what's best. I know what's best. Right before Saul's battle against the Philistines, Saul doesn't wait for Samuel as he is uh, instructed, but instead, Saul disobeys and offers a sacrifice by himself. You can read about that in First Samuel chapter 13. And because King Saul refuses to listen to God, Samuel says he has forfeited the hope of an eternal destiny in, uh, uh, in Israel, D- a dynasty, not destiny, a dynasty. So his kingship will come to an end. So What else does the Bible say about uh, this as it relates to prayer? In Isaiah 59, "'Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor His ear too dull to hear, but your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden His face from you so that you will not hear." So, Choosing to live in willful, habitual sin will cause a dropped call every single time. In Psalm 66, if I had cherished sin in my heart, the Lord would not have listened. In Proverbs 28, if anyone turns a deaf ear to the law, even his prayers are detestable. So just because there's an invitation to call upon the Lord doesn't mean you can do what you want and then just genie up God when needed. To think this way is to have a very obscure view of God and a very twisted view of yourself as well. One more reason God may not respond to our prayer, fractured relationships, fractured relationships. See, pride kills your love for God, it kills your passion for God, pride kills your desire for God. Pride not only separates us from others, but it also separates us from God. And as we discussed earlier, pride causes us to sin, and sin ultimately separates us from God. So pride gives a man the false illusion that he doesn't need God. Nebuchadnezzar. King of Babylon, fell into the pit of pride. In Daniel chapter 4, he is walking on the roof of the palace and enjoying all that has been done in Babylon. And he says in Daniel chapter 4, Is not this the great Babylon I have built as the royal residence by my mighty power and for the glory of my majesty? The words were still on his lips when a voice came from heaven. This is what is decreed for you, King Nebuchadnezzar. Your royal authority has been taken from you you think you did this? Okay." So, he's driven from his people. He lived with wild animals. He ate grass like cattle. God humbled him <laughs> real fast. God opposed Nebuchadnezzar because of his pride, and the same is true for each of us. Our pride changes our relationship with God. Matthew chapter 5, Therefore, if you are offering your gift at the altar, and there remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother, then come and offer your gift. And then Mark chapter eleven, and when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive him, so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. And in first Peter Husbands, in the same way, be considerate as you live with your wives and treat them with respect as the weaker partner and as heirs with you of the gracious gift of life so that nothing will hinder your prayers." So after hearing that, are you saying, amen, or, oh man, (laughs) which is it? It's true though, here it is in black and white, or green and white. Some of the reasons that our prayers are hindered and not responded to. And every one of these are all a form of pride. Unbelief, I don't need you. Selfishness, I'll do it my way. Disobedience, I know what's best. And those fractured relationships where pride leads to sin, which is separation from God. Would you do an honest assessment this morning? The I am is still the I am, and he is still hearing prayers. (laughs) But if you sense God is distant, is one of the reasons unbelief? Is one of the reasons selfishness? Maybe disobedience? Maybe a fractured relationship? Let the Holy Spirit search your heart about that. Is there something you are asking God to do? But deep on the inside, there's doubt whether or not he can do it. Or maybe just, maybe just breathe a prayer right now, like the, the father of the boy who had an unclean spirit in him. Found, it's Mark chapter 9. Father approaches Jesus, and he asks him to heal his son. And Jesus said, all things are possible for him who believes. And the father responds by saying, I believe. Help my unbelief. <laughs> Help my unbelief. It's like Natalie Wood in The Miracle on 34th Street saying, I believe, I believe, I believe. We sometimes need to do that. I believe, Lord, but help my unbelief. Help me in this area. Maybe you need to pray and ask God to give you a desire for His will over your will. Ask Him to search your motives and see if it's the glory of God you're after or the glory of self. Maybe it's just confession of sin. You need to deal with God not responding, and, and, and you know it's because there's some sin in your life. Some sin that you're cherishing, or holding on to, or clinging to, and, and you need God's power to let go of that sin today. Maybe it's a fractured relationship. There's distance between you and your parents, or, or you and your child, or you and your spouse, or you and a friend, or somewhere in a relationship, there's just, there's, there's, fractured situation going on. Remember, God is still in the business of hearing prayers, but we have to come before Him with a healthy posture, and that is a humble heart toward Him. God is not looking for perfection. He's simply looking for one who displays a continual posture of humility and brokenness. Hezekiah was by no means perfect. You just keep reading 2 Kings 20 and you'll see that he makes a huge mistake. <laughs> but recall what was said about his character. This is who he was on the inside, 2 Kings chapter 18, starting with verse 5, Hezekiah trusted in the Lord, the God of Israel. There was no one like him among all the kings of Judah. Either before him or after him, he held fast to the Lord and did not cease to follow him. He kept the commands the Lord had given Moses, and the Lord was with him. He was successful in whatever he undertook. Because of how he lived, humble before God, God was with him. And because he knew God was with him, he trusted in him. Which leads to the second lesson we can learn from Hezekiah's prayer. That is, healthy prayer includes a healthy perspective. Healthy prayer includes a healthy perspective. In his prayer, he acknowledged the sovereign rule and reign of God, and he trusted the Lord to answer his prayer. And and this is the key, however the Lord saw fit. You have your will be done in this, not mine. Go back to the situation Hezekiah faced. The nation of Assyria was was coming against him in in the city of Jerusalem, and Hezekiah prays and asks God to intervene which is a key ingredient to prayer, we ask of God, (laughs) you've got to ask. And then when Hezekiah, at 39 years of age, hears that he's going to die, he asks the Lord to intervene. And in both cases, he demonstrates a trust in God. He had no idea how God would move on the nation's behalf, an angel going through the enemy's camp and killing 85,000 people, 185,000 people, that, that, okay, I wouldn't have thought that would happen. I doubt Hezekiah had God answering that prayer in that way in his mind. What about when God answers Hezekiah's prayer regarding his death sentence? He gives him 15 more years. That's great. But if I'm Hezekiah, I'm I'm kind of thinking, well, that's just 54 or 55 years of age. Could you do a little more, God? Maybe a little further? But with Hezekiah, we don't get any inclination of him doubting or debating, or being discouraged by the answer God gives. Because of a deep-seated trust in God the Father, He could pray with an honest heart, not my will, but yours be done. Do you have this deep-seated trust in God? What if His response is no to your prayers? No, this is not going to work. We're, we're going a different route. <clears throat> what if his response is no to your person? Do you have a healthy perspective that God is sovereign, God is in control, and God knows better? Maybe you come up against those moments. Maybe you're in one of those moments right now. God operates on a different level than we do. His ways are not our ways. His timing is not our timing. As Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. As the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. He's altogether different from us, working His plan. And healthy prayer includes a healthy posture and a healthy perspective. So this is confession time. This is where we search our hearts for sin against God and we reflect and receive His forgiveness of that sin. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Again, this is is so good for us to go through because when we reflect on our life, decisions we have made, the motives in our heart, the, the sinful past we have taken, we, we see we have not arrived, and at the same time meet the incredible grace, love, and mercy of God. It comes all together. In Hezekiah's prayer for his health, if you noticed, we don't have the specifics behind what he prayed for. He was probably so broken that he didn't even know what to pray for. The Bible says he turned and wept bitterly. And I believe because God knew what was in His heart, He answered the prayer of His heart. That's how good our God is. Sometimes we are so broken by our circumstances we don't even know what to pray. Do you know what the Bible says about that? The Bible says in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans that words cannot express. And He who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. So ask God for what's on your heart. Ask Him to move in whatever situation you are facing. Ask Him to meet the needs of your loved ones. Just ask. Just ask. 1 John 5, this is the confidence we have in approaching God, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of Him. I want to give us some time, close of this uh, service here, to respond to His invitation to call upon Him you find prayer important and you call upon his name, then this is a moment right now for you to take advantage of. So here's what we're gonna do. I'm gonna have Don come on up. He's gonna play at the piano. And as he's playing whatever song he chooses to do on this, I trust it will draw you into God's presence. And then Annie, you can come on up too in a moment as well, but uh, cause we're gonna end in a couple of songs. But as he plays this music, Take time in individual prayer before God to call upon His name. Is there, is there something on your heart that you just need to give over to God? Is there a burden? Is there anxiety? Is there something happening? Is there a relationship that needs to be mended? <laughs> is the relationship between you and God need to be mended? Whatever it might be, just come before Him. If you need to come to the altar, you can do that. You stay right where you're at too, whatever you want to do. But to come before God and ask of Him. And as you do that, uh, I trust God will meet you right where you're at. So let's take some time right now and, and just sign up for